0: Justin McAleese here with Shoot Stop Video Crew Talk, coming to you live from Fresno, California. Wow. Hey, how you guys doing? What's up? Good. Go. good. Hello. Woo. Excellent. All right. So uh, in my upper left, I don't know how it looks on your end, but we got uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Ricky Bird. And to What's my up, right, everybody? yeah, well, we <laughs> have uh, Travis Clough on the bottom left, Jean Luke Slagle. And Craig hey. Tepper, delightfully <laughs> below me. And then we got Chris Lofing. So, yeah, super stoked to have you guys all here. We're going to talk about directing a little bit. Um, directors here that do different things, which I think is really cool. Um, uh, different, like, levels or different different approaches, which is I was happy to be able to put you guys together and uh, I think have that variety here. So let's get right into it. Um, I guess uh, real quick, Ricky, give me give me – 20 seconds about what you do
1: um i just make independent movies direct and produce and then write too so that's pretty much it yeah whatever it yeah. takes to get it done
0: really you focus more on like um what would you say uh sort of I like Victorian it. things like very very proper things stuff that you would want to show your parents right
1: yeah totally it's real christian no um i do like naked zombie girl grindhouse or Yes. Also comedy. Um, I also have another Grindhouse movie called uh, machine gun baby. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, I, I lose friends, gain friends whenever I make a movie. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's how you know you're doing the right thing. You know, it's
0: good. I like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the Tremendum guys over on my right here. Uh, t- tell me what you guys do. Uh,
2: uh well, go ahead, Chris, go ahead. you go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, we're, uh, myself and Travis, uh, Tremendum pictures. We do, uh, mostly narrative uh, content. We used to do a little bit of, uh, you know, commercials and ads and stuff, but we've been fortunate enough to focus on movies and series. Um, Genre wise, it's usually in the horror thriller space, but we aim to do a lot more and budget range is usually very low. If not, nothing, (laughs) if anything. Um, Travis, if you want to add anything to that.
3: No, uh, sadly, it usually is very low. And we, we did used to do more commercials and stuff, We're open to that now. I mean, we do have to put food on the table and uh, when you're between movies, it can take forever to get stuff going uh, and and to get paid. But- uh,
0: Especially in this era. Yeah, it's a thing we all fight to do and get those projects made. Packaging and uh, actually getting anyone to sign on the dotted line and get it going is tough. Jean-Luc, tell me what you do.
4: Yeah, uh, I work at an ad agency. I'm the creative director for a company called Scope Studios. And I direct a lot of uh, commercials, brand films, and uh, shorter, like, documentaries. But, yeah, firmly planted in the,
0: the ad world, not the narrative side of things. Totally. Craig Tepper, I think you're – there we go. And, uh, yeah, what do you do, man? Uh,
5: I'm a documentary filmmaker, and I also, uh, I also direct commercials. I'm a, a partner in an agency called Story Worldwide, um, where I'm also the
0: creative director. Yeah, and that's a new thing for you, right? You just transferred that is a over there. Yeah, that is a How's new that thing. That's yeah. You want to throw it's your great. bosses I mean, under um, the bus or? It, it really
5: got um, it, it got going kind of at the beginning of the lockdown, so it's it's been perfect uh, because I've been able to find you know figure out ways of doing virtual production and remote production, and a little bit now again in New York uh, back to actual on set shooting. But it it's been great.
0: Yeah, is has that made? the difficult things about being a director, has that helped any of those things or made those more difficult? You know,
5: um, it's, it's taken away a lot of the more enjoyable parts of being a director. You know, being on set, um, having, those, having that uh, camaraderie and having the relationships and collaboration with people in person, which is my favorite part and the most fun part, I think, and the traveling, which I also love. So those are gone. Um, but you know, I, I've, I've been doing quite a bit of virtual production, like in virtual environments. Mm. Um, and I'm kind of amazed to see that even with like a VR helmet on, on a, on a virtual set, how people act the same way they do on a real set, like (laughs) how, you know, the agency guy standing in the wrong place, uh, you know, there are the wrong people standing in the background of a shot and you've got to yell to get them out of the way. So it's kind of (laughs) weird how, how much it is exactly the same.
0: Wow. Yeah. People are going to be how people are going to be, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Ricky, what's difficult in your world about being a director? How, how how are you struggling to put the money on the screen?
1: Um, You know, the hardest thing is usually wearing multiple hats in my range, you know, like I'm also producing and, you know, crafty, you know, all these different things, whatever, (laughs) you know, hat while we're directing. So I've had to learn how to like, literally take the hat off and not wear all the hats while we're directing. Cause ultimately it's like the project that suffers, you know, when you're not like putting all the, like, you know, like you said, put on all the, everything you can on screen, capturing that gold in the little box, you know? Um, cause no one, you never get to sit with anybody and say, Hey, you know, we were having a hard day that day. That's why these shots look like shit, you know, or crap. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So yeah. um,
0: What do you, when you, when you're putting together a crew and then, Let's say you got a little bit extra money. You can hire one more person. What, what's, what's the next person you would put on usually? It's sort of hard Um, to say without knowing what your crew was, I guess, but what's the most important person for you to have?
1: I think like, as far as the team, like as far as like my department, I guess would be the AD, um, and I'm uh, blessed to have my wife as my AD. So it's pretty cool that I get to save, uh, kind of, it's a give or take on saving in that department or whatever, but uh, yeah. Yeah, but that yep. part I think is the most crucial, but like on like an indie set, I think, um, you know, people that are important are definitely, definitely like your gaffer and, um, you know, DP and then, you know, your sound guy are very important. And then if I have extra money, I try to focus on, um, you know, maybe getting another person to help out those departments, you know, just to kind of lighten the load. So that way we're all staying creative and not getting exhausted after long shoot days and stuff Uh, because I think that's like super crucial, you know, keeping that positive energy, you know. Yeah,
0: same sort of thing for you, Jean-Luc. What do you, if you're going from, say, a three-person crew to a four or five-person crew, how do you add value? Who do you, who do you put on that crew?
4: Yeah, I'd say um, it probably depends, it changes depending on the size of your production too, like when you're, when you're more insulated as the director and you have other layers, your money naturally goes to different places. I would say the same thing though. I think one of the lessons that I've learned over time is just how important uh, the gaffer is and having someone that can pay attention to um, how the scene is lit, but also the emotional implications of how the scene is lit. Um, And, you know, I think camera department always gets the bad rap for like wanting all the money. But I, I think I've learned, I would rather spend more money on like lighting maybe art direction having having good art direction rather than um i don't know the difference between like a really nice set of lenses and like a really really nice set of lenses you know i feel like that money is probably better spent on art department like pre-production um costumes or wardrobes things like that have maybe a in my world have a disproportionate effect on Uh, like final output and production value for sure
0: yeah that's one of the things when i go talk to um, like high schoolers or college kids is Mm -hmm. i always say like if you have the opportunity to rent another a different set of lenses that's slightly better for another 200 bucks don't buy curtains like buy a lamp yeah but stuff in the background that's going to be super obvious i mean you're going to know the difference between the lenses maybe but Mm -hmm. other people are going to be like oh not a white wall that's a way they won't care
4: Yeah. And I feel like the tendency, especially like early on in people's careers, like shoot it on better cameras. We're going to shoot this on the red, you know? Um, and then like, we've probably all been a part of some terrible projects that were shot on the red. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> just because you have a red doesn't mean it's going to be a successful project. So I think right. the, the prep work, the pre-production, the art direction, like um, there are little staple pieces here and there that I think you can put into a production that makes it look more expensive than it is. That's for sure. And that's something that we've, I've tried to do, you know, I'm pretty early on in my career, but I've tried to do that a couple times, like find the one thing that's going to make this look like a, you know, if it's a $50,000 project, that's going to make it look like a $100,000 project, you know?
0: Yeah. It's being a, being very conscious of that. Craig, I, I, I feel like you've worked on probably the, the most expensive things, of maybe the people um, on some of the things we worked on and tell me the difference sort of between a big crew, a big set and a small crew, small set and like why one would be better than the other sometimes.
5: Well, yeah, I mean um, the nature of the director's job changes um, I think when when you have a really small crew, I mean, oftentimes if it's a really small crew it means I'm shooting, it means I'm the DP too, which, um, you know, for an interview shoot or a small doc shoot, that's great. For a commercial, that's not great. Uh, you've got yeah. other things you should be worrying about, um, especially if you're if you're the DPA and you don't have a good AC and you're worried about you or you don't have a you know if you're worried about the lighting, you're worried about if, is your shot in focus, you're worried about did you remember to hit, did you roll,
4: did you remember to
5: roll? Because <laughs> yeah. that's the worst feeling there is if you're the director and you didn't roll on a good take. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's, that's a totally different job than managing a set with, with a lot, with a giant crew and a lot of clients and a lot of, you know, it, it's a, it's a very, you spend your time doing very different things. Um, you know, um, and, uh, you know, we've worked together on jobs with, with, with fairly big crews and, and we did one job in particular with, a, with a, with a ton of clients on the set. I think we had, yes you could measure them in the dozens actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they, and, they probably were double to triple what we were. That's right.
5: And so that job was like it was very political. It was like mostly uh, a, a being a politician and making sure people were happy and communicating between departments and communicating between different visions and trying to keep the trying to keep the train on the on the track.
0: Yeah, so um, much and there of wasn't a lot did, of time
5: to be creative.
0: Yeah, so much of what you did, I think, on that shoot was was very much just playing with different people's personalities and letting them all feel heard and letting them get their opinions out and all that stuff. And there wasn't a whole lot of time to reinvent the wheel on anything. It was more just like yes. taking all this input and letting everyone feel like they got a say. Yes. And, and that's, a, that's
5: a very different kind of, of, of role. I mean, I, I enjoy doing both. And I think the perfect situation is if you're kind of doing half and half where you have enough, you have enough support that, where you can focus on the creative aspects that really interest you. And but with that support comes a kind of managerial role where you're where you're dealing with lots of different personalities and and I think when you're when you're balancing that kind of fifty fifty that's kind of the sweet spot I think.
0: yeah, yeah, it makes me think of some stuff i've been through, and like for the guys on the right, uh tremendous guys I've been on set sometimes, and let's say I was on a big production the week before, or whatever, and you someone's handing you. Um, iced tea whenever you want it and (laughs) there's like you know there's like the comforts of things and then the next week you're like simultaneously trying to hold up the the silk and you're trying to pull focus and you're trying to run everything at once and it sort of sucks how (laughs) do you guys have any like come to jesus moments where you're like oh man i thought i was something and now i feel like nothing trying to hold everything together on a shoestring you tell me about something like that
3: Oh, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we have never had anyone bring in iced tea. (laughs) Uh, That sounds glorious. (laughs) We've had, we look, our team has been great in trying to like, you know, make it feel like there are moments like that, which is great. But, but we really do work on such a, a small or tight budgets and, you know, everyone's participating in some way usually, or they're, they're going to, and, and, that's why we're able to do things much tighter. And we do put a lot more into getting the scene, you know, if it's set pieces or props or things like that. I think, I think everyone that we work with kind of realizes that like we want it to come out as good as it can become. And I feel like they know that we, you know, be, you know, in post, we'll do everything we can to make it look like $1 is equal to a thousand dollars. Um, but yeah, man, we've been on some, you know, we've seen some sets, not ours, that it's like, dang, they got like assistance to the directors. Like, that's awesome. And, <laughs> and you know, to a, assistance to. Assistance to the
6: assistants. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a whole different ballgame. And I think people, when they get into this business, maybe they don't realize that it's often going to scale to those extremes. Unless you're like absolutely upper echelon people you are going to run the gamut in terms of like how you, how it feels on set to have no support or total support. And it's not the people involved. It's just the lack of money yeah. and the lack of people. We've yeah, been on
3: everything we've done that we've been understaffed on okay. everything that other people have said you, you're way understaffed. But at the same time, we also realized that in bigger productions, there's a lot of waste and people have told us they complain that there's like 200 people sitting around on their phones and like, what's going on? You know, that's, that's a lot of money. And for indie guys, I mean, you guys know on these smaller projects that really you're completely responsible for any extra person is just like, it's like painful to think of the cost of that. Yeah. Uh, Not that you don't want them or need them because you do. And you're like, I would love to have you and 10 more of you. I just can't afford it. You know?
0: No. And and that's the thing too, is like, they'll be like, I want to be a PA. I'll be there. And you're like, yeah, but you're going to park and eat and shit. And I have to account (laughs) for that. And that's hard. That's like a lot of stuff to worry about when you add on five people, if they're not actually contributing to what's happening, it's like rough.
2: And with the COVID stuff now too, like this most recent shoot that Justin actually you came and helped us with, we kept our crew tighter than I think we normally would have just because of having extra people on set. Like it was more COVID tests that we had to do, more people we had to get temperatures for and like, you know, distancing and it was a tight space and all this stuff. And it's like, you know that's another factor that we now have to deal with as well. And,
3: and it wasn't even a union thing. it was just we yeah. were trying to like see how we how well we would do abiding by the the new guidelines, however stringent or egregious they may appear to be to producers, of course, which i I think they are It's, it's a little overboard. I think a lot of actors feel the same way, but uh, hopefully yeah. they'll find the middle the right middle ground to to you know where people aren't just knee-jerk reacting to it and and have more. Data and can do things that will allow people to get back to it in a, in a good way, still taking proper precautions and
0: stuff. Yeah, I think like Craig te- Craig said, like people are going to be people, and like as far as the mask thing goes, like it's funny how you could see someone be completely hygienic in all the certain ways, and then totally ruin it with some other thing, and then you're like, wait, that you're supposed to have the thing cover the thing, not the. And it's just that stuff's always funny to me. The inconsistency is crazy. Yeah. Hey, Ricky. You wrote a book? What, what book did
1: you write that just um,
0: helped to write a chapter for?
1: Yes. <laughs> um, I have a book called cheap movie tricks. Um, it's a uh, book that, um, I got published through mango media. Um, I got approached to write a book cause I'm known for guerrilla filmmaking. So it was a stretch cause I've only read like three books in my life. Um, <laughs> so, um, I had to learn how to read before I could write it. So that <laughs> yeah, was that's a huge hurdle um but uh you know it's a it's a good book and actually now since covid happens we're selling a crap ton of them wow um, so that's been great i mean i only get a real small percentage cuz you know i'm not really good at math so um, i usually <laughs> get screwed when i get my royalty check i'm like wow you sold a bunch i should be getting oh wait that's my check
6: uh-huh. so
1: but it's still cool and it's helping out a lot of filmmakers and it's just a brief overview though i think a lot of there's been some haters on my book saying that it doesn't go in depth enough and um, it's more or less just trying to give someone like an overview how they could shoot their own film for a couple g's um and you know make it work with you know like just the essentials you need to get it get it shot the do's and don'ts and then you know i wish i could do a updated version because i've read some more books and you know shot some more features and more short films and um, there's even more stuff i you know want to put in that book, but what, you know, we'll What's see.
0: one thing you would add to it? What's like one trick or one thing that really feels like it's putting the money
1: on the screen? Um, I would say like um, the blocking. So what I like to do is, um, I think a lot of things that lack in indie films, especially like we're talking like budget realms, like what I mess with like under five grand on a short film sometimes, you know, or like a, a, a grand or whatever, but it's just moving and blocking with your actors. So taking your talent, mm-hmm. And you give your talent what I call business. That's a like an acting term. You know, you give them their business. So like this one's doing something here, the other person's doing something over there. And you kind of shift the camera around that world to kind of help tell the story. And I think that adds production value without, you know, like trying to overlight or trying to, you know, like get all crazy where you're spinning around or staying on a shop forever. Um but that, that's one thing that I would really, you know, and we've kind of like been working with tricks, you know, to kind of keep the camera moving, get the actor, actors comfortable in their movements and kind of like, you know, make it flow a little bit better. But, um, that would be one major thing that I've learned. For sure.
0: Um, yeah. You know. I feel like business has killed like, a mil- like, like 10 million people because, back every other decade they're like i need i need something to do can i get a cigarette can i just have a cigarette in this scene right and
1: it's the yeah in yeah. yeah. all movies forever yeah. Yeah. No, more newspapers, cool.
5: no more newspapers or cigarettes
1: yeah i know yeah. what are you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> everyone's just like this yeah oh uh, yeah. yeah cool yeah right. well yeah, eating is another one like everyone will, like brad pitt and uh pitt. 11, yeah. just eating 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 eating, eating yeah. and he always likes to eat but
7: yeah it i think helps. that
1: kind of stuff makes it natural and makes it does it, it makes it feel like you're peering into someone's life instead of forcing a story upon somebody, you know, I like to like let the viewer like feel like they're, you know, like with them, you know, they're part of something like coming, you know what I mean? To kind of like establish it. And I think that helps establish, totally. you know, the environment for your story.
0: Craig, you're doing a lot of docs and things like that. And do you need to insert those things into it to, to give people stuff to do? Or is it always there just because that's the nature of the beast? How do, how do you make that stuff well, It, it more depends what kind of doc, it depends what kind of doc
5: you're making. I mean, if, if you're doing a very kind of like, you know, cinema verte, direct cinema doc where you're following action, you're just following action, right? You're, you're fly on the wall kind of thing. Sure. Most of the time, my approach is, I, I rarely, it, it's, it's more common for me to make a doc about events that have already occurred. Okay. Um, or, or to construct a story out of something. So, my approach is more like a scripted approach so i'm yeah i'm trying to come up with uh scenarios i'm trying to put people in a set or a scene that makes sense and 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 furthers the story and not just shoot talking head interviews and not just follow people doing their normal daily lives i'm trying to construct a reality a lot of the time like you wouldn't a scripted
0: film Yeah, I think people don't realize that when they're like, I just want to watch what's happening and you're like, yeah, it's going to be done. No, you wouldn't like it.
5: (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's not not worth watching I mean, I don't think,
5: people don't think reality shows are made up. I mean, people don't realize that reality shows are scripted and there are multiple takes and they're, you know, I I think people are fairly ignorant about, I mean, I I also think, you know, another thing is people are always talking to me about, oh, where do they, where do you think they shoot that show? Or like, where do you think that apartment is? And you're like, it's a set. And they're like, or the house when Breaking Bad well the exterior was was an actual house but the interiors are set they, they they refuse to believe it and yeah you have to explain to them you can't take over someone's house whenever you feel like it for a shoot day <laughs> you know on, on a series like you yeah know, I, I think people are shocked at how many things they watch are actually set
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the um the uh, there's a couple sideboards but um there's a scene on the simpsons where uh they're shooting the fallout boy or the uh, radioactive man thing and Homer's like, uh, they, they asked if we could shoot here. gave us 50 bucks a day. And he's like, yeah. I said, yeah. And they come in there. They're immediately putting they punch, hammers through walls. Punch a just, hole through the wall to yeah, put cable just through. Just immediately, like, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, you used to see on the old Monty Python show when you would watch uh, uh, and now for something completely different. You, because they would shoot the stuff. Everything that was on a stage was on video and everything that wasn't yeah, they, was on film. And it was drastically yeah, different. Ruled. Yeah, yeah, the old
5: BBC rules were that you could only shoot video on a on a in a three camera uh, studio camera setup on a stage, and anytime you took a camera outside, it had to be sixty millimeter. So okay. until some point in the seventies, so like even the early Doctor Who and all of that are shot
0: that way. Which really? I, I love
5: that look. I love the reality that interiors are video, exteriors <laughs> are film. It's, it's really so
0: cool. much different. Yeah, because they didn't like <laughs> the film was never treated, so it's super flat. It's like everything's log. It's just way different and different crews i mean different everything yeah 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 insane um yeah uh let's see what else um more hacks does anyone else have something that they love to do that just makes a scene that's missing something uh that much better even on paper or when you're on set
6: mm.
0: no i gave um i i handed uh, what Flares, yes, flares, yeah. right? <laughs> just put a light shoot light yeah, into flares. the lens. Yes. Yeah. I
4: know that that is overdone, but there's been a couple times when we've been on a set and you know, our world is, my world's a little bit different than the narrative world. Um, but there is, there are certain things that you can do to like haze a lens a little bit or warm a lens a little bit that often do add just a touch of pop to something that doesn't yeah. quite have the commercial flare. Uh, it's not gonna save a bad location or save a bad scene. But like, I think there are lots of little aesthetic choices you can make that add maybe ten percent, like extra polish on top of something totally. um, that feels a little bit more natural than you know just adding Andrew Kramer's optical flares in After Effects.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and if you're not editing, then who's going? To, you don't know that the dude later is going to do that. The you know, whoever. Yeah. Right.
4: Or like, uh, my favorite thing right now is to point out like everyone loves anamorphic flares, and yes. you're like, that's not an anamorphic camera. Like, I can see circular (laughs) bokeh in the background and you have an anamorphic flare you just put it on Uh, top of
0: it yeah i do um i like there's some shots that uh uh i've taken pictures and put them on instagram or whatever and it's like if i have a 50 mil lens and i'm at like f3 f2 somewhere in mm. there you can put gaff tape like basically right on the Mm -hmm. lens and you'll never know you can sort of do it there almost and it it just becomes like to darken it's that a little bit. Gradient filter. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit of gradient. No one would ever yeah. know. You can't tell at all. And it's something that you can, it might happen later. Someone might yeah. put it in, but I can do well, it.
5: You do the same thing with the, with the flashlight at the edge of the frame and do the opposite where you're just having that little bit of light kind of create. Yeah. You know, it, it, It's kind of the, the positive version of the negative thing you're creating with that gaff tape.
0: Absolutely. And I think that stuff's right. really useful. And you pick those things up over time and you also find out when not to do that over time. And that's like a really good experience thing. Uh, and then the beauty kind of, of
4: that is that now you can add a gradient filter back into a line
5: item and add yeah. that to the front. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. The thing uh, I like, like to do is, is to like, to, to not let, not make a big deal out of rolls and cuts and not have people be sure when you're rolling. Sometimes. Like if, if it seems feeling really <clears throat> static and things aren't happening is to try to, is to roll and not let people know it and try to catch natural behavior and try to, Try to get something going without all of the pressure right. of of rolling and cutting. Sometimes that's a great way to get things. You yeah, know, that are lifeless to be livened up.
0: Yeah, yes. a lot of times on the interviews, that's a good thing um, when you're mm. doing with people who are not very experienced or maybe they're not used to being on camera at all. We're is <clears throat> yeah, yeah, or with oh, kids or whatever. Yes, definitely kids. Yeah, most definitely. Kids <laughs> or animals
6: <laughs> or
3: animals. Yeah. Kyle, too. I mean, we did we do it with kids, but we did it a lot with their, our first movie. Uh, which was found footage, the gallows, we have a whole slew of clips and pieces in it that we just captured. You know, there's, uh, you know, a couple of the the extras were, you know, playing some game in the backstage area, patty cake, you know, and I was like, roll
2: roll on that. (laughs) (laughs) It's
3: funny seeing high school kids doing that. and, And it just, it made it into the movie. It was just a funny little part about high school life. You know what I mean? Just, you know, the drama kids doing patty cake in the background and, and you know but we caught a lot of little moments like that that were much more realistic because they were real
0: you know and yeah real and real. if you would have said hey guys okay so right now we're gonna play patty cake they'll be like that's stupid yeah. no one would ever do that well <laughs> yeah. really dumb on camera and then right. you grab it and it works yeah
5: yeah yeah but mix and mixing those realities mixing the more stage stuff with the more you know natural stuff that you capture just creates such a great feeling i mean i think it's what, what's great about a lot of like 70s american movies with directors directors were doing that sort of thing they were capturing a lot of natural behavior along with the scripted behavior so those films have a certain vibe that that's kind of gone now but it's, it's it's a great thing to do i think
0: yeah absolutely that can that can be some of the most true moments and those things i was uh ac on a movie in uh, iowa 11 years ago and um the, the DP got mad at me the first day because I cut when the director said cut. I was on it and he's like, don't ever cut. You wait till I tell you to cut because there's going to be something that happens right after that happened, right after he said cut and that'll be the best moment. It'll stay in the movie, believe me. So like the whole rest of the time, <laughs> yeah. like, cut, cut. <laughs> cut, okay,
5: cool. Um, yeah, that little, that little moment before you yell action or, or say cut sometimes is the best, or right after you say cut are sometimes the best little bits for an editor.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, we had a, we had a question. Um, do we find benefits in storyboarding, a film or storyboarding, a project, uh, Ricky, do you get storyboards very much?
1: Um, well I find benefits in it simply because like for my movie, naked zombie girl, we had no script. There's no lines in the whole movie. So I actually wrote really crappy stick figures and you're we like planning out our shot that way. So we told the story like that yeah i mean another like we did a movie called home free and we just ran around and shot stuff so that was more of like a mumble chord style film so we didn't really like we just did like you know uh script so i feel like it just like depends on what kind of movie you're going to do or if you're going to try and do something special effects because we have uh another one of our films called the video store and we actually built like uh miniatures and stuff of like the bakersfield bridge and this clock tower here in bakersfield and so we had to storyboard a lot of that stuff out to kind of figure out what we were going to, what the things were going to look like once they were finished. But, you know, I think it's like a mixed bag. I mean, sometimes, you know, they're really needed. And sometimes, you know, it might be, especially like if you don't know your location that well, you know, or you're just writing a script and then you're just writing it, you know, like some people just do the storyboard right after they have the script, and you not even know where the hell they're going to shoot it or have any confirmed locations. And that's just a huge waste of time.
0: You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Jean-Luc, I know that we get storyboards on a lot of what we shoot for you. Um, Things are are very specific, 30 second spots and things like that. Tell me why those are so valuable to you. Yeah. Well, I think
4: in in the commercial world and in the ad world, I'm not the only person that has to be on board with the main idea. There's like at least three or four other people that have to agree with the thing that we're trying to put together. So rather than, you know, just kind of show up and try to make the assets work together, we, it's imperative that we get both the client and a lot of times there's another agency on board and another creative director. Um, So storyboards are like the most concise way to present the idea beforehand, get everyone on the same page beforehand. And that way, when you're on set, you can still collaborate um, on so many decisions that you have to make during a day, Um, but you're not spending unnecessary creative energy figuring out like, okay, what exactly are we trying to accomplish here? The, yeah. the, the map is very clear what we're trying to accomplish. Now we can put our creative energy into making this feel <laughs> authentic or maybe um, trying to get this certain moment from two people. You know, it feels like a storyboard uh, does the sort of boring heads down work. It doesn't have to be boring, but it does some of that like logistical work. It puts it, uh, you know, in the earlier on in the process. So on the day of shooting, Um, you can put your, I think your creative energy into what you really need to put your creative energy into.
0: Yeah. I feel, I find that it also, um, what do you want to say? It is insurance for what you're doing because a lot of times, you know, the client might be like, well, I thought we were going to get this and we're like, no, exactly. This thing right here is what we agreed on and we're (laughs) doing that. Do we want to change it? And a yeah. lot of times we you want to can grab to more
4: stuff. You can grab more stuff or like there have been lots of good things that I know we've worked on where like we had a new idea that was better than what we started with. Or like in collaboration, when you have a great crew, um, you can make something that, you know, the sum is greater than the parts, right? And you want sure. that natural organic collaboration to happen on. But yeah, it's like that safety net, like you said, that at least we're going to get something that's at least this good. And yeah. if people collaborate well on set, you know, the bar can be lifted. I feel, but, I feel but, like know, it's, it's almost a, like a,
1: a visual upset. contract between you and the person that you're working with. You know, like you have yeah. people write out words and we're making something visual for them. And so they're kind of like approving the story. And then we're, you know, trying to, you know, put that those pictures into fruition for them, right. that, you know, and then allowing, you know. So definitely on that realm, totally would do those. Yeah, because we've had a couple commercials where people are really. Specific where they wanted to shoot it, what they wanted the shots to look like, you know, and then so, same, you know, yeah, hundred
0: percent, yeah, Craig Travis anyone?
5: anyone? I think oh, I right. think when the also when the timing is really specific, the, the yeah. timing on screen, um, action scenes, effect scenes, and even just thirty second spots when you know you've got to you've got to hit all of these actions in thirty seconds, or sometimes you know less, like fifteen now you 've got to make all these things happen in fifteen seconds, I think it's really helpful to have boards for something like that
0: totally yeah two s three s one s two s three s like oh, I know <laughs> what I have to do in each of these timelines yeah because it <laughs> right. uh, yeah and, and also it it for me too when you 're doing playback, you end up a lot of times what ends up happening is you shoot something and it 's good for four seconds, and then the end of the, the last two seconds suck and the people watching it who don't really understand how it's going to be chopped are like, well, what about that thing? And they're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Shut up. It doesn't matter at all. And they're right. like, I don't like the end of that. And you're like, it doesn't matter. That'll never be used. We're only yeah. using
5: these.
0: That's why you <laughs> <I> have <think laughs> to make sure your monitor is the only one that has the
1: playback.
5: Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> or you set those,
4: <laughs> you can set those in and out points and loop
1: it. So yeah. I'm yeah, like, that's yeah. all we care about. It's also um, a bad call with actresses, too, because they're like, well, I wasn't ready for this part. You guys were filming. It's like that. that is obviously not going to be in the movie. You know, yeah, what I mean? yeah, right. and, you know they're like blowing their nose <laughs> or you know, getting yeah. away or whatever. Yeah. You're like, I won't keep it. It's not, that's yeah. not a thing. They require,
3: like, I, advance notice for showing any of that in the BTS. Uh, or, you know, <laughs> because of, because of, like, I need to know and see and approve. No, I was picking my nose. You can't show that. <laughs> you know, they worked that into their contracts. But I think mm. for, uh, for, for us, we do so much that's like on the day mm-hmm. because our budgets are so, you know, we just, they're just so tight. But if we have a, a group of people that we're working with that is like, hey, whatever, let's, let's do all the prep together so we all know what we're doing and we can all, you know, make it a really great thing. And there's time ahead of time. It's such a great way to communicate what the shot's going to be without having to like explain it. Oftentimes, I'll try to tell someone something, and I'm just doing a terrible job. (laughs) But like, if if I can, even though the drawings are also terrible, but if I can take and do like a so the family at the table, (laughs) and then the boy is going to be like this, and then here's the wide, you know, Uh, and then that's at first. And then if we can go in and like, once we find a location and it's like, okay, well we go take some pictures. Yeah. This is what's yeah. going to look like. Here we go. And this, and he's doing the Heimlich on that person. And the kid is like, you know, what the heck? And so for me, I'm a visual guy and it's just so much easier. It's, we do that with trailers. We do that with, uh, uh you know, Chris, we do that with all kinds of concepts, movie concepts, and that we will pitch to, you know, other people in, in Hollywood and stuff, uh, You know, and it's easier for us to do that than to show them a script because we're not like great writers. We happen to be able to execute things really well from a maybe so-so script that we've done. You know, people are like, wow, uh, this is a a great movie. Like, I'd love to see the script. And we're like, you would have thought the script was garbage.
0: (laughs) Not not as good. Yeah, Yeah, that's the goal. You hope that everything gets better at each step. You know, the script is as good as you can make it. And then during production, like some 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 happenstance that really turns out great for you also takes place a little bit of magic and then once you get into editing you're like oh that thing that sucked I can totally fix it now that's really <laughs> why all three all but, three but it uh, helps with the specificity
3: of the vision I think having the storyboards to me and we haven't done it all the time we've done it a couple of times and every time though it's been very helpful and uh, in just being able to specify what you're expecting <clears> to get from the DP from you know anyone uh that's that's on there with you and and it helps you get a have a better shot of making the day even though you might when you pack it in like we do, you might end up having to cut a couple of shots or or call someone in clutch to get the last maybe two shots, three shots of the day like Justin. On no lap. idea
0: what you're talking about. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> but uh, tell me tell me about working with actors, about working with talent, um, some like do's and don'ts, what, what you guys have learned over time about what works and what doesn't.
3: Um, I'd say for, for we, again, because of budget constraints, we haven't had a lot of time to do rehearsals, but whenever we do, man, it's so much better. It's okay. so much more helpful. And the ones where we have had time is usually if it's like my kids or like, you know, people that we know, and it's like, hey, let's rehearse this. Uh, and we can just do it, you know, on the side and, and it doesn't have to be some big thing, but right. uh, it it helps the scene so much better. Like this thing we shot with my son, he, he like had his, all his lines memorized, even the Korean ones and, you know, and it like, it turned out really good that he was the most prepared of everyone there.
0: Oh, nice.
3: There were a couple of moments where I was like, oh, I don't know if, it was just a rehearsal, but you know, the, the two other actors in the scene, they they like immediately, were a thousand times better in the actual second run. But the first one it was just like, oh hey, what was it? it was just like, oh my gosh, my it was son scary. thrown off because he's the only one prepared. And if they're not and they throw him odd lines, I how is he gonna do? You know, it turned out he did okay, but they also, you know, picked it up after the rehearsal. But anytime he can rehearse before the the, the main event and and really get those the muscle memory of those things into the into the <sighs> mind and body of at least the main character in the scene that will really help you know strengthen the 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 uh, the extra auxiliary characters and supporting characters it's more sure.
2: of, it's more of a time thing I think it's like you don't want to necessarily kill the spontaneity of something magical on set you know you don't want to like rehearse it to death that something unique can't happen but there's so much time that's wasted when you're on set with all these people. And it's like, okay, let's block through it and rehearse it and do it again. And, uh, you know, it's like, if you can cut down that time, you know, that's more takes you can get in in the camera, you know, yeah, like real.
3: good takes as well.
2: Start
3: out without rehearsal. And it's like, Oh shoot. Like we got a long way to go for this to get it. Yeah. To where it needs to be. You cut all that out in the rehearsals ahead of the time. And then you're kind of working with like the, just the, the the cream the top
0: uh, you know takes that you would have gotten uh, so yeah it it's right.
3: time chris that's a good totally
0: uh, one thing i would say is that comedy has a sort of different set of rules for rehearsal right. for what works for me and i find that like if you're doing a table read a week before awesome you guys get to work through it and you kind right. of maybe develop some repartee that wasn't there but if you're doing if you have them deliver two takes like while you're finishing lighting or any of that stuff, it can you may never get it back. And that's something right. that's basically impossible to pinpoint what they were doing that was funny, because it's such a nuanced thing in my experience. That like I don't ever really want them to, to perform on any comedy thing until I'm rolling. And until I'm right. like everything else is dialed in dialed in enough to where we could actually keep it. But um drama is a totally different thing and it often gets better on the fourth take. Do you guys right. rest, you're nodding Agree. Any, yeah. anyone else agree?
1: I, yeah, I agree i agree i agree what i do is because usually we're you know low budget working with friends family members or whoever we can get you know and, you know projects vary but what i do is i just have everyone um like who's in that scene rehearsing that scene while we're lighting and setting up camera and i just sit there and work with them and get it kind of vetted out so that way it's natural to them and they're not just playing jump rope with lines where they're waiting for the next person to say the lines and that's what happens a lot of times as actors get caught or married to a version of the character that they've been practicing in the mirror forever. And I try to shake that off of them after a few, because usually I've noticed when we're filming about three or four takes in any shot, unless it's like something super simple, um, I don't get the performance I want. So it's better to just get those irons, you know, kind of ironed out. But on the comedy realm, I get what you're saying. Cause like, like on border brothers. We would have moments and then what happens is we try to artificially create those moments again. And I think that's what makes reality TV for me so stale is you got people trying to recreate, you know, those kind of moments in reality television. And I think you're right, you know, it's probably better, especially like if it's a really important scene. But any kind of dialogue, just because it's so I think Indy, another thing is like pe- actors sounding natural is letting them say it over and over again in that space, you know, and letting them feel comfortable. So that way, because, you know, that's what we're trying to do. We're like, you know, zookeepers trying to make the habitat look, you know, legit or whatever, you know, so we can't have people that are, you know, know all the lines and they're like, Oh, well, he didn't say his other line. Well, it doesn't matter, you know, just flow, you know, have a conversation. So I think (laughs) there's a
5: danger and a danger in comedy when you see something that works. And then telling the actor it. what it was and recreate it. Once they know what it is, it, it becomes yeah, impossible to do. Yeah, so sometimes yeah. you're just giving direction to, like, you'll just, oh, just do it faster. Or just do it again. Or right, do, right. do, you know, and, and you're just trying to create a pace or just trying to create an atmosphere where it can happen again. Yeah. Because you can't make it happen. Right. So, you know, you'll, you'll right. be just like, do it again. Do it again. do it. And the crew's looking at you like you're crazy and you don't know what you want. But you're just trying to trigger
0: that magic right. again <laughs> yeah. it's can't yeah. say what it yeah. is
5: or you'll destroy
0: it oh man right. it's it's so fleeting it's just yeah. it's the most impossible thing to grab again and you knew it during rehearsal that and you weren't were like, rolling yeah, that's it that's it do that again and then it's just forever. Yeah. So, yeah. i think to,
4: to your point craig and i think ricky kind of said it earlier but it's almost like uh the the better part of directing is you you're you're creating this like obstacle course for people to run through and i think it's easy especially in commercials but i'm sure in narrative work too to like uh fall into the like do it like this kind of trap and um yeah and i think uh that's something i kind of saw early on in the commercial scene it was like ah, that's very as soon as you start doing that it's like very ineffective and very stale yeah it it seems so much like you get stuff that's so much more natural and interesting to watch when, as the director, you just kind of create these set of circumstances and then people do things in those circumstances and then yeah. you're you're more of just like an arbiter curator where you're like, oh, it means to go quicker or like you're standing in the wrong spot, but it's more like as a director, you're responsible for creating the artificial scenario and then just letting <clears> humans <throat> do the things that they do you know.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it, definitely. It, yeah. I like find that it, it's it line reads is sort of what you're talking about. And you know, the, the best explanation I have for that is like giving an actor a line read is hopefully they're a better actor than you are. That's why you hired them to be actors. <laughs> data. And, yeah. and all it is, is you as not a great actor saying a thing and then they're supposed to do their own version yeah. of you yeah. as a bad actor and they're probably not great at doing impressions. So their impression right. of a bad actor, that's what you want on screen, like that's never <laughs> gonna work out. Yeah, right? I think no, you I, I, yeah.
5: Go ahead. Oh, good. No, I was gonna say, I, I consider, uh, I consider having to give someone a line reading like a failure of mine. Like I consider yeah, totally. that like my failure to communicate or my failure to create an environment or my yeah. failure to express what we're after. Um, Unless, and this happened a few times, where I'm working with very, very seasoned actors, very experienced actors, right. and they know we're trying to get this specific, like, especially for a commercial, where you're trying to say the name of the product, or you're trying to deliver some ingredients or something that's really hard to, you know, get out naturally. Sure. And they'll say, just, give, just give me a reading for that. Yeah. But other than that, I consider
0: that to be like, I really screwed up if I'm giving an actor a line. reading. And it's the most... It's the thing that if, when you're getting started, you haven't had that much experience being an actor, a director. It's the thing you assume you're supposed to do. Well, cause that's and what they, they show like, you in movies. They show you right, the right. director
5: doing that. In oh, that's the director's job. Okay. And it's the opposite, I think of the director. Yeah.
0: Job.
5: It's really
1: weird. Most definitely. Yeah. I
4: think the danger though, is that you can do the equivalent of that to any role on set, you know, mm-hmm. right. you can like think, you know, more than hundred percent You're the gaffer. And like, you know, oh, stem up that light, you know, another two feet. And it's like, it's, it's so much better yeah. to engage people on, like, this is what we're trying to accomplish. Help me accomplish that thing rather than to, um, you know, take the like authoritarian role, which I've, I've seen in the ad world, you know, probably more than the narrative world. I'm not sure, but it does seem like there's a tendency for some people to like want to dictate uh, their vision through each department, and it seems like it's so much more effective, and you get a better end product when you're able to like cast vision, but then let people who are professionals at their job like
1: right yeah, do their job, and you're yeah. gonna
5: get you're gonna get the credit for it anyway. Everyone's gonna think right. you came up <laughs> with all the, you
0: know
1: what I mean? Like let them do it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yes. No. Totally. My percent
0: It's like the as a writer, because when you're writing, you're not supposed to put in camera direction necessarily, or like editing direction or anything like that. If you're doing it for yourself, that's one thing. It's like an internal note, but if you're writing for someone else, you're not supposed to do that. So the writer's job in my estimation is to like, be so clear as to have the director know exactly what to do in those moments to execute that most properly. Right. right. And then the same thing when sure. you get the actors is you want to be so clear in creating the world and in describing the situation yep. for their character or whoever it is so that they can most properly execute that. Right. And then as right. an editor hopefully you're constructing a scene in such a way that it is so clear what what is happening in the scene what it's about that the audience can then construct their perfect version and understand exactly what is happening and why but you're never telling them what to feel or what to think you're just creating the situation so that then they can make their best decisions that's why yeah um any any more thoughts on that or should we go to composing we have a question about um from a composer, how do you find composers for your projects, and uh, how can pi- composers pitch their music to you?
5: How do you find producers that will give you enough money to hire a composer, or not? You yeah, you <laughs> a that's a good question. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's a no, tough i just thing. get random. I get random messages on Facebook um, constantly from composers, and that's how I pick them. No, not really. Don't send me random. <laughs> I get that. That's like it's almost like you know you get that weird mail, and then you're oh here's another composer, but um, it's hard. I feel like. Yeah, I feel like it's a hard game because, you know, it's like, um, you know, as technology gets easier and more obtainable for more people, you know, it makes, you know, other people come into a space and make it, you know, like, kind of you, you drown out all the other people. But um, usually I have friends that I use that I like, or, you know, whatever company I'm using, they, um, you know, get the stuff or we go on to like, you know, sites and Get our own crap you know like for corporate videos or whatever getting something from you know audio blocks or you know something like that but yeah, yeah. Composing's okay. a, hard one. A, a good
4: approach for like modern composers maybe that don't have quite as many ga- large-scale gigs would be to like try to get your music on film supply or music bed or like try to get into the licensing game because I think yeah. for us for sure for advertising the majority of commercials, even larger ones are not necessarily building it from scratch. Every time they're right. you know, taking out a license and if you get one of those, like that's a crazy good gig.
0: Yeah. What's right. what used to be to do like. funniest thing. Was um, when Soundtrack Proverse came out, and yeah, like, heard you heard and the same that. music yeah. and the same. <laughs> you heard all oh these God. little <laughs> stupid things that were on GarageBand. Like That's
5: uh, a footsteps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you hear it in big budget stuff too. Yeah. hilarious. Like totally, you know, yeah. commercials, and you'd be like, "I've used that crappy loop before." Yeah, yeah it's a, it's well, a Pepsi with, commercial. Yeah, I hear <laughs> I get. I hear it with wind a lot. Like there's oh. a, there's certain wind sounds that I've used from like, like soundtrack, one. pro loops or whatever. And you're like, yeah. oh yeah, I know that's that wind sound.
0: There's a guy the at home somewhere. A guy recorded that There's a funny story on sound too. Oh, sorry. In everything. Go yeah.
4: And then that one, there's this one uh, audio clip of kids laughing.
2: Yeah,
6: yeah. Oh, I guarantee yes,
4: you heard yes, in like yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Star Wars, oh, yeah, and yeah. it's in like every commercial ever. It's like the
6: it's laughing. like
2: the Manheim
5: scream, <laughs> the, Wilhelm yeah, totally yeah. Yeah. the Wilhelm scream. Laughing, I, yeah.
6: uh,
2: yeah. I was about to say, our sound designer actually has the original recording of the Wilhelm scream, and oh. he played it. he played it for us when we were mixing our movie, and you can actually hear the director directing the guy. Uh, through different takes it's a series of takes and you hear oh. all the ones and then the final direction the you hear the director in the background he's like no 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 more of like a scream of pain and then the guy's like ah! and it's it's the one you know it's, this, <laughs> it's, it's so like, that's like a piece of history right
0: there one of the best directors of all
5: time yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. it worked <laughs> that's great um yeah, yeah what, what uh, let's let's end on a high note what's the biggest mistake you made as a, as a director what's the, what's the dumbest thing you did
1: Every time I show up on the set, yeah. even, geez. <laughs> i was like, "Why?" No, I'm just joking. Um, uh, I don't know. I've done a lot of dumb stuff. Yeah, I've, uh, we've we've taken stuff where uh, I've been totally off. Like I'll get a phone call, or like, or telling someone to shut all their phones off, and then we're right in the middle of the take. Oh, and it's the all, worst. But it's like my alarm, so it's my phone's silent. But it's my alarm, Yeah, and it's all like, who is that? And everyone's all real professional. <laughs> or are you just telling someone to shut there? You know, and it's, uh, it's happened to me more often times than not. But I need alarms to remember to do certain things. So you know, yeah, it sucks to be on silent. But yeah, exactly. So <laughs> oh, oh, cool. I'm doing it. Good job, Siri.
6: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks for the reminder. Oh, we're rolling? <laughs> yeah, I think
4: one lesson that I've learned, maybe not at one time, but like slowly over lots of projects, is uh, when when you're in any sort of collaborative environment and you're in any degree of control, I think it's always so much more effective to communicate and make decisions about the merit of the thing and not about this personality or that personality. And I, Mm -hmm. I think it's really easy to let our language go there in subtle ways. Like, no, let's not do it like that. I don't like it like that, you know? Um, So when you're talking to a DP, like, I don't really like that lens, you know, there's no real merit in that argument. But when you say like this lens doesn't achieve what this project needs in that particular moment, it's not about me versus the DP. It's about what the project itself needs. And I don't think I had any, I'd never had any, you know, big explosive confrontation with another person, but um, anytime that you're in a collaborative environment and you make decisions on like a personal level. Um, yeah. I think it's a net loss for the
5: production for sure. It's, yeah, it, Definitely.
0: Yeah, I always tell. The biggest
5: people. mistakes happen offset sometimes. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. The, the relationships
5: between you and other people or, yeah. Yeah, right.
0: well, yeah it, when, when I'm talking to, to maybe a producer, someone who might not fully understand how this stuff works, I'm always trying to default to like, well, it works usually in this way to do this or uh, mm-hmm. people find that when they want to accomplish this thing, they usually make it this, this way. This is the correct approach, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. you don't say, like, I like. It's always, like, other mm-hmm. people like, and they're like, oh, I like other people. That sounds like a is good that, idea. Is that not yeah. passive-aggressive? Um, yeah, no, I try to go aggressive-aggressive <laughs> if I can. <laughs> oh, yeah. What were you
2: saying, so, Chris? Going off of what Jean-Luc said, uh, at least for, for movies especially, you know, you're on set with the same group of people for – you know day after day after day and another mistake that we've we've learned to you know that has happened to us but thankfully we've resolved it in previous things is if there's a confrontation between a couple people on set or a group of people are having some kind of issue and they just didn't bring it to us just because they don't want to bother us we still have to know about it we still have to get that resolved we can't have that tension on set and people you know at each other's throats behind the scenes or in front of the scenes sometimes, and so resolving that stuff, talking it out, getting everyone on the same page, whatever drama or 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 conflict there is, it's like, you got to squash that. You can't it'll let it be going. Me, yeah. it'll, it'll ruin your set. It'll put a bad taste in your mouth at the end of every day. And that's, oftentimes, that's it, something.
3: oftentimes it's a misunderstanding of what the yeah. person is saying or their personality type. It's like, man, they why are they saying that to me? It's garbage. And you don't realize that the person is like, the person saying it is not a very tactful person. You have to like understand that, they were maybe like the person with glasses in elementary school. They were like, well, I might, you know, do it. And you're like, oh, that helps me understand where they're coming from a lot better. And then that person is like, oh, I sound mean when I say that. So you kind of go <laughs> out, you, you can just be upfront with people. We've we've had times where it's like, hey, what you're saying right here sounds really mean to other people. Yeah, uh, right. And I know you're not being mean, but you sound mean right now. <laughs> like, oh, crap, that's a problem. It's like, I know, but so just work on that. And then the other person's like, Oh, you mean you weren't trying to be mean? Oh, okay. I guess we're friends now. And you know, for us, like Chris was saying, like you got to get that stuff right away. If it festers and you don't know about it, like it's like, oh crap,
1: yeah, I could blow up.
3: Yeah, and I, then I we want to cover up, yeah. it right away. I, we had to fire one guy on the on the the last day, the last day of of Gallows <laughs> Two, and yeah. he was uh, he was the gaffer, and and I guess he'd been a com- everyone. He was he was an LA guy up in Fresno. And everyone had complaints about him and we just didn't realize. And then he said something that was just totally rude and
0: disrespectful. And I heard it. And I was like, see ya. You're out." I heard, a, I heard about him on day two and I wasn't even on the set. I had nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> he was really <laughs> sheltered. Really, I was like, uh, uh, the
6: okay. guy, there you uh, go. There you go. Yeah.
0: I
3: appreciate being sheltered from that. But at <laughs> it, when you're also. But you mean, I saw it on the-
1: Facebook. I was yeah. like, <laughs> who's yeah. this guy? Know. about it here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so to
0: end this up, we only get a couple minutes left, but um, we'll go in order. Like, why do you do this? Like, wh- why are you still a director after all this um, sort of rigmarole of trying to get what you want and not have enough money and deal with people that might not be good at acting all the time and, and having to deal with all these other uh, personalities and try to accomplish something? Why do you do it, Ricky
1: Bird? I'm a complete idiot. Hi, my name's Ricky. No, <laughs> no. Uh, I just love directing. I love making movies. It's my life. So I, you know, if I, if I'm not doing this, I, you know, don't want to do crap, but I think it's uh, all worth it. And I, you know, it's fun. And I, you know, it's like, you know, they're talking about, you know, there's a diverse amount of people you get to learn stuff from all different walks of life. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't trade that for anything. It's, and, and we entertain people that are having, you know, crappy lives or whatever they want to escape and we get to like, kind of create worlds for them to go to. So I think that's like, you know, um, we're doing the Lord's work
0: yeah no it is it if you it, there's something about ricky that just being on his sets and everything is like there might not be it, not even throwing you under the bus or anything this okay. like I maybe there's not it. enough food or maybe there's there's certainly not enough money or you're acting or you're working overtime or whatever it happens to be like stuff that none of us want to happen on stuff but end up happening on really low yeah. budgets but like at the end of the day you're like yeah, but just ricky just he just loves making movies man you can't (laughs) he just wants to make the damn thing and if that's like an infectious thing that always you're like i don't want to go do that it's gonna and you're like yeah it's ricky fine we'll go yeah let's
1: do it yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. i I sucker in a lot of people that way it's the baby uh brown eyes you know hold a sign (laughs) you know um
0: john luke yeah what do you what do you like what keeps you
4: going Um, yeah, I think director is maybe one of like two or three hats that I wear, but I just love the process of seeing something come from nothing and then exist, you know, the process of like, um, this idea was a concept I jotted down in text edit, you know, and then it got storyboarded and then it's, and I love seeing it through the stages and now it's something that exists that people have seen that people might've been influenced by and it's in the world. And I think that's such a cool way to have impact on people, you know, hopefully in a good way, but it's a, it's a way that we can have impact on people in the world that I don't think a lot of things compare to, but I, I just love that process of something not existing and, and now it exists. That's so fascinating to me.
0: Yeah. I've used those exact words, explaining it to people in the past of like, we took a Mm. thing that there was nothing and now it is a thing tomorrow and it will be forever in one way
5: or right, another. That's right. Right. That's
1: true too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah Craig, what do you think? Well, yeah,
1: I
5: mean, it's like nothing like getting to set super early in the morning and all of a sudden all these trucks show up and all these people show up and all this equipment starts coming out. And before you know it, like you're, you're making this thing out of nothing. It's just, it's the best, but it's also, it, it's a combination of all the things that I'm really interested in, in life. I mean, it's a combination of storytelling and music and visual art and, you know, interpersonal relationships and all wrapped up in one thing. Um, and I just love all the problem solving. And, uh, and I, I love how all of that's wrapped. I, it's just so amazing to like, there's a way that you get to be on set that you don't get to be anywhere else in life where you're just dealing with all of this stuff and you're in the zone and you're not thinking about the news and you're not thinking like negative thoughts and you're not, but you're just like locked in. And it's just, it's the best feeling. it's like it's like the best version of of who you can be as a person yeah when you're yeah it's
0: going well (laughs) yeah (laughs) that that flow is something that's really great and it's it's weird if if i'm going on a movie or whatever i'm going to be gone for a few weeks ahead of time two weeks out i'm like oh no i'll be able to take care of it and then once i get into the movie i'm like nope (laughs) the whole world's gone don't give a damn about that i'm (laughs) focused Yeah. And you'll go through
5: like, you know, months and months and months or years and years and years of hell just to have that, get back to that feeling again for, for a couple of days. Yeah.
0: It's it's, it's the best. Chase the dragon. Uh, You guys, (laughs) what do you think?
3: Uh, For me, I would say um, all the things that have already been said, um, but also just uh, something. Yeah. Something that I really like is uh, I like it's that end result, you know? I, I like seeing, I like working with talent and, and the, the, the whole thing to create a feeling that I'm hoping an audience will get at some other point. People may watch it as it's being constructed and, and not realize it's going to be something amazing. But in my mind, in our minds, I think we see that someone's gonna have a really serious emotional response or that impact that Jean-Luc talked about it, to this very moment. Uh, and then they're going to laugh at this moment and then plotting that out and actually being able to see that come to fruition in a theater or someone getting scared in a certain moment or someone crying in a certain moment or someone feeling like, oh my gosh, I remember my first kiss in a moment, you know, uh, you know, it's going to remind them of things in their own life. But actually, you can tangibly feel that almost. So it's almost like you can cut through it in the theater. Yeah. Uh, now, when it's not working, that, that's <laughs> the <when> thing. <it> <laughs> bad. Yeah. But when it is working, that kind of stuff, man, that's what the year and a half, two, three, four years it takes to get a movie done and in the theaters, and then you feel that, that's the reward. And to have the entire crew that came along with you feel that same thing and understand that and be proud of the work that's been done, uh, those those moments are what like makes me have to do another one and improve it and go even bigger and try to go even better.
2: Yeah, so, my- my answer would be very similar to Travis's. I, my personality actually is unlike Craig. I, I, the problem solving, the prep, I like it, it stresses me out, man. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I freak out on set. Like it's, it's, it's both a rush and both the worst thing like I'm experiencing all at the same time. Um, but, but just like Travis, I can't, I can't deny the, the joy of the end product and seeing people watch uh, what we've created uh, there's nothing like that feeling. It's what made me want to get into movies in the first place. I made a film. I showed it to my friends. They loved it, and I said, "Well, okay, I got to keep doing this." And so that's that's always kept me going, and, and uh, I think it will always keep me going. And us going is is what the audience's reaction will be. Seeing that and feeling that is uh, is like no other thing.
0: Totally. Okay, well, that wraps it up for us. Thank you guys so much for being. Uh, I guess real quick, uh, where, where do they find you, Ricky? What's the easiest films. Hectic Hectic films. Films. Yep. yep, done, good. Travis, Chris, where do they find you guys?
3: At uh, Tremendum Picks on all the social media places or Tremendum.com.
0: Nice.
5: Craig? Uh, film work is at uh, parentheticalpictures.com. Um, uh, age, the advertising agency I'm with uh, is story worldwide yeah
0: very nice Jean-Luc.
5: i'm at
4: uh scope studios it's wearescope.com.
0: nice and we uh i work for blair media co-owner of blair media so you can find me there uh at justin makes movies on some other stuff uh so that's it for uh this episode of Shootsaw videos crew talk we will talk to you guys later thank you thanks Justin. hey guys thank you yeah, yeah. Sure. thank you guys You're welcome
7: You might be looking at shoot stop video and thinking, so how does this all work? Is this about A, setting up the whole crew for me, B, just giving me options and having me handle it, or C, something in between. Well, it's D, all of the above. To put it simply, we're here to help you in any way that we can to get the crew and talent you need for your next production. We believe that every level of video production can benefit from a well-maintained list of qualified crew members for every position. This goes for pre-pro, on set, and for post. Every project is different, so if you need a producer to help manage the decision-making process, then we can totally do that. If you're already a producer and want to build your own crew from scratch, then go for it. We're here to make your next production a success. And if you are crew or talent looking for producers that want you, then you've come to the right place. Sign up now and also leave a referral for any solid people that you know that are already on here. Thank you for considering ShootStop video and happy shooting.